Welcome to the Life Change Podcast. Panhandle Weight Loss Center is a unique surgical practice focused on changing lives. Our approach moves away from the singular goal of weight loss and encompasses one of overall health and wellness. This podcast explores a variety of topics inside the realm of health and wellness, including nutrition, fitness, lifestyle issues, and even surgery. The goal of this program is to inspire listeners to take a critical review of your life as we guide you towards a paradigm that translates to life change. All right, uh, it's Dr. Bo and Chelsea again. Uh, we're going to discuss a few things uh, all around, I think, uh, the the dietary components of this journey, but specifically, like, when do I make a change? Uh, what do I do if I'm stuck? Mm-hmm. Kind of address those types of questions. Is that, is that your understood That's goal of this summary. podcast? Yes. Okay. And then we're going to touch on expectations uh, of weight loss surgery. And we did not pre-discuss expectations, so it'll be interesting to see Chelsea's approach to expectations versus mine. Yeah, there we go. Who's okay. starting, me or you? Uh, you want to start with expectations? Yeah, let's okay. do it. So, you know, with expectations, uh, I tend, you know, being on the, the doctor side of things, I usually explain kind of statistical results. Uh, when you look across, uh, you know, multiple studies, not that I'm a big nerdy or believer in statistics on the medical side. But anyways, so a sleeve, um, you know, I think that the, 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 the five-year average, the 10-year average, I kind of quote, we expect you to get, because of the surgery alone, this is the sur- surgery, to lose about 60% of your excess body weight. Excess body weight meaning what you weigh now, subtract your government-assigned <laughs> ideal body weight, which... Nobody should ever chase. (laughs) Right. Right. At this point, I'm literally 20 pounds over the government assigned ideal body weight. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyways, that's how the the studies are done. So take your current body weight, subtract your ideal body weight. That's your excess body weight. Sleeve's going to get about 60% of that off, 65%. And you have to be careful with that when you're looking at studies because some studies report uh, total body weight loss. Mm -hmm. And then some report excess excess body weight loss. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to take total body weight off. I just want to target the excess body weight. Uh, switches, I quote, probably 85%. Um, now, also bell curve averages. So, like, that's the midline. That's what the majority of people are hitting. Um, so, 50% do better, 50% do worse. That's right. Right. Yeah. And it kind of depends on where you're starting too. Um, I, so good news is we both tell people the same thing. I, I agree. 60 to 70% on the sleeves, 85 ish on the switch. Man, we're telling the same story. We are. Yeah. Oh, hey, look at us. <laughs> uh, but I also like to look at where you're starting with your body composition, which is one of the main reasons why we do that DEXA or the Tanita body scan to start you off with. Mm-hmm. Because if you are one of those people who, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, you were super active and super fit and you were doing a lot of resistance training and you just have that extra muscle. You know, that's the the negative side of only looking at body weight or BMI or things like that is it doesn't actually tell us what's inside, what's actually going on, how much of that is fat versus muscle versus everything else. So I kind of try to look, you know, realistic expectations. First, I look at the percentage of your excess body weight, but then I also want to look at body composition and, you know, is it even feasible for us to get you there? Yeah. So that let's, let's pause on that for a second. Uh, I didn't know we were going to get into the DEXA conversation oh, yeah. today because in my opinion, we should throw all of our dang scales away. 
right? Yes. I mean, what is that physical weight that I'm looking at? What what is going into that? What's my muscle mass? What's my and we've we've talked about DEXAs on past podcasts, but you know, let's really get into that because I think you can identify some really bad problems on a DEXA. Sure. And specifically, the people that are severely undermuscled, mm-hmm. so they're overweight, yep. but they're undermuscled. Yeah. Right. That's a bad situation to be in. For sure. And those are people that I think you're usually seeing your body fat percentage. I mean, being like 52 to 58. Um, I mean, that's that's exactly what we're talking about. I mean, honestly, probably even 50. <laughs> if we're starting yeah. at 50% body fat and going up to like 58, 60%, that's, that's where you are. You're in that under muscle category. And, and then, uh, typically a lot of that visceral fat too is what you're going to see there. Yeah, and so the, the, the DEXA tells us that too. It, it tells us a visceral mm-hmm. fat. Yep. And I think that's important because when people start to lose weight, to me, that's the first place they mm-hmm. start losing. Yep. And I don't think that's like a big number loss. Like, oh, I'm not gonna lose 50 pounds of visceral fat. But if you don't lose visceral fat. You're not really getting healthy. Yeah, you're not getting healthy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the problem, you know, <clears throat> you do the DEXA and somebody is significantly under-muscled. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking about weight loss surgery. What are your thoughts there? Uh, mine just kind of goes to metabolism first and foremost, is you just don't have that baseline to really help you with metabolism, with getting to probably where you want to be with your weight. Because you don't have those that efficiency of burning at the muscle level because you just flat out don't have the muscle. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm getting way out on the science limb here without doing research. But, um, you know, from my understanding, muscle has the highest density of mitochondria, mm-hmm. right? So mitochondria right. are what make our energy. energy. That's right. Right. So substrate comes in, the mitochondria puts it through a little process, and then poof, energy. It's mm-hmm. like the little coal-fired power plant of the body. That's right. And when you're under-muscled, you just don't have as many mitochondria. Mm-hmm. So we check the BMR, or the, you know, the, the metabolic rates on patients, and lo and behold, they're not in their mind, in in medical world, and I think you and I have talked about this, but they're not burning energy. Right. Whereas my thoughts are, is you're not making energy. Sure. Right? Yeah. So you can't do anything about that metabolism Mm -hmm. without strength training and adding some muscle mass. Or you can, but it's only to a point, right? It's not going to get you, it's going to get you what you get through typical diet and exercise, right? Like that's, that's the benefit you'll get. Well, we, that was a segue, (laughs) not a segue. That was a rabbit hole. It is, uh, but it, and it's, but it's important too, because I mean, that's where you should be looking. Uh, We've got some patients who come through here, you know, for bariatric surgery who are starting at like a 35% body fat and it's like, well, okay, this is a totally different story than somebody, you know, like you're telling who is under muscled, you know, you've got the extra fat, the visceral fat. It's a totally different person to be treating. Mm-hmm. Be a good study. Yeah. To look at initial DEXAs and outcomes. And see how well people do, how close they get to that goal. Mm-hmm. Now you got me thinking. <laughs> um, okay, so <clears throat> we were talking about expectations. Mm-hmm. And the reason we value DEXA, and I think while we're talking about DEXA, because there were some comments about DEXA scans on our last Facebook post, mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk about how do you get that scheduled and how often do you do it and maximizing what you've paid for. Um, I forgot where I was. 
<laughs> um, you forgot where it was. Expectations. Okay. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, I can yeah, personally. I, I do. I try to do a DEXA about every quarter. Uh, so every every two to three to four months, I try to do a DEXA. And you know, I'm looking at my muscle mass, my lean muscle mass, my fat percentages, my visceral fat. And because to me, that's literally the only way to know to judge what I'm what if what I'm doing is working. Right. Right. Because sure. if I was just tracking a scale, mm-hmm. right, I could. Um, and my goal was weight loss. I go to the gym. I start eating a little healthy, and uh, two months into that journey, the scale hasn't changed, mm-hmm. and the majority of people would give up. Absolutely. Right? Yep. But with a DEXA, you jump on that, and you're like, well, I didn't lose weight, but I gained two pounds of muscle, mm-hmm. and I lost 3%, 4% body fat. Right. That's a big deal. That's that is huge. a huge deal. And Absolutely. I, I really think this is, you're, you're a woman, so I'm going to pick on you. Uh, <laughs> I really think that's a bigger problem with women. I uh, totally agree. Um, because women, as soon as you see the scale either stop moving or start going up, it's like, oh, I'm, that's not what I want. You know, when in reality, I mean, why are you even focusing on a number on the scale in the first place? It's probably not for your health. It's not for the way you feel. It's for some other reason. Um, so I completely agree. And I see that a lot. It's like the movement on the scale for whatever reason is what motivates people when really that shouldn't be it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, you can take that into account. But is it the only thing? And no, it absolutely shouldn't be. Because yeah. if you I mean, like you said, if you, uh, you know, gain two pounds of muscle and you lost three percent body fat, you're going to look a lot different. You're going to feel a heck of a lot And different. feel a lot different. Absolutely. Yeah. Even though the scale did not change. That's right. So yeah. throw them away. Right, your microphone's running away from you. Oh, yeah. I don't use a scale. People ask me that sometimes. Yeah. I don't own one. Oh, well, actually, I do own one, but we use it for um, luggage. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, pre, the pre-check. That's right. 50 yeah. pounds. We, uh, I, I tell people that ask me about weight is like that. I got tremendously healthier when I, when I threw the run-of-the-mill house scale out the door because mm-hmm. I stopped focusing on that. And I focused more on how I felt, how my... Mm-hmm exercises were going, how my clothes felt, what was my energy like, um, and what what did my DEXA say? Sure. Yeah. So in our clinic right now, people buy a package of DEXA scans current, currently, right? That's right. And it's a package of five. Um, I think this might be news to Bo, but <laughs> they expire within a year. Oh, that's typically. N- that is news to me. Um, we, you know, we can make some exceptions, it seems like. <laughs> but um, what we typically want to see, because that first year post-op is where you're going to get most of the weight loss. Um, and potential muscle loss. And Exactly. Yep. We want to make sure that that weight loss is proper. You know, it's the fat going down, not the muscle. So I typically recommend if you've bought that package, come in at three, six, nine, and 12 months and you do those scans. And do we set those up for them or do they need to call and say, I'm ready to get one? You need a call. Um, if you're on like a televisit with one of us and you say, hey, I'm coming up on my three month. Can I go ahead and schedule the DEXA? Absolutely. But the DEXA isn't something that you have to schedule on like a day that you're meeting with one of us or anything like that. It's it's at your will. I mean, you can do it whenever you choose. And we've got really good availability for that. So we can bring you in where you know, you're in and out pretty quick. Um, so, yeah, just call us um, anytime and you can set the DEXAs up and they'll be able to look and make sure you got that package. If you didn't buy the package, you can always just buy a DEXA by itself. I think it's $45, something like that. Gotcha. Worth it. <clears throat> yeah, the information you're getting from it, for <clears throat> mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. And I do I do also emphasize to people it's trends. It's mm-hmm. not where right. you're at at the moment. For sure. Like, which way are you trending? What are we working on? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people, well, I think most people get that DEXA scan 
uh, report and they see the color map. The body, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the, <laughs> the yellow, green, red. Yeah, the stoplight body, that's what I call it. Yeah, uh, and can be pretty freaked out when they see the first one. Sure, absolutely. And it's not about the first one. It's nope. It's about the change. Where you happen. go from there, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about the pouch reset diet. Oh, yeah. Buzzword. Yeah, man. It's clickbait. It is. Absolutely. And it's super popular. I mean, we've even got some of our patients that will talk about it, ask about it, even do it. Um, So I think it's worthy of a chat. Also, by the way, if you've got our teachable content, it is we have written about it in there. So now we're going to talk about it if you're more of an auditory learner. Okay. What are your thoughts? So I'll just straight off the bat. Doesn't really work. (laughs) Um, So I think the big assumption behind a pouch reset diet is that you're doing this diet, you go back to liquids or you go back to your pre-op diet in order to either get past a stall or to see more weight loss or, you know, because you've started regaining weight. And the, the major thought behind it is that you're able to reset the size of your stomach pouch. Um, And I think the problem with that is that that assumes that the only or the main benefit that you get from surgery is a smaller stomach right right which we don't ever preach that that's really i mean your stomach is a muscle it can increase and decrease in size naturally over time yeah but i mean you've seen bariatric patients or you know you start out in the gastric bypass world which i think the volumes in those can vary mm-hmm. drastically sure just by surgery. um the the sleeve uh i mean one year out six months out two years out volumes are going to change but it is not to a significant amount Mm -hmm. no like you're never going to be able to eat the way that you could before surgery um it's just not going to stretch that much i mean i don't know you're you're the surgeon tell me how many times have you seen like you're going back in for someone who's already had a sleeve and it's the same size as someone who hasn't yeah so when we on those situations i mean we're doing egds where um We're looking at it, and yeah, there's been situations where we go in and people want to re-sleeve, mm-hmm. which we don't offer, right? Uh, because you get in there and there's literally not enough tissue to staple. It's not safe, mm-hmm. so they don't stretch to any specific um, capacity. Now, so we as a clinic don't advertise or promote pouch reset diets um, because if you do get some volume reduction, it's going to be temporary, yeah, like a week, right? Right. Um, so what is what is the more important uh, when we see success with these types of diets? What is it that's actually the benefit? Yeah, I think you're changing um, the the foods that you're eating. You're getting rid of the junk and you're going back to the basics. So that's the number one thing that's changing. I think number two, for whatever reason, people, it's a mental thing, right? Um, it's like going back to liquids just seems easier. I I disagree with that, (laughs) but it's like you only have a certain amount of options. And so there's not as many choices. And so you're not overwhelmed with, okay, what do I eat? So what we're saying here is it's more important that you cleaned all the junk out of your diet for Mm -hmm. five days. That's right. It's not so much the liquidy part. Right, exactly. And it's not so much the changing of your stomach size either. So, I mean, you you could look at this as like a a short-term detox type (laughs) uh, uh, diet. I'm I'm trying to reset my hormones. I'm trying to to get back in, you know, uh, in tune with my body. Uh, So from that perspective, yeah, we, you know, there is some benefit well, I mean, you should be eating a clean diet the majority of time, but right. if you're really struggling with that, going through like a five-day, just concentrated uh, whole foods type diet, like sure. all I'm going to eat for the next two days are 
meat and vegetables. Meat and veggies, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you probably get just as much benefit from that? Absolutely. And you don't run the risk of some of those negative side effects on your metabolism when you go on to a liquid diet. Um it depends on how long you do it, right? If you do a liquid diet for a few days, yeah, you're probably not going to see any changes in metabolism. But if you do it for a prolonged period of time, which a lot of people do with the pouch reset diet, you know, they can do it for a month, um, you're going to see some negative effects on your metabolism. You're going to see some of that muscle loss. I know this is probably a bigger challenge, but if I were in that situation, <laughs> I probably more so would lean towards a three-day fast. Yeah. And I know not everybody is can do that Capable. or desires to do that. But at least with a three-day fast, you're you're getting the detox, but you're getting anti-cancer, anti-aging, anti-pro-longevity uh, benefits. Sure. Um, you know, and yeah, we haven't done a podcast on fasting, fasting. have we? No, we have not. Um, so kind of general thought, a 24-hour fast is probably good for weight loss. Not going pat... Going over 24-hour fast is not great for weight loss. Yep, I would right? you're, that. you're causing more harm than good. <clears throat> and, mm-hmm. so, and, and a 24-hour fast, you know, it's probably something I try to do. I, I was doing it once a week, uh, uh, Thursday dinner to Friday dinner, um, just once a week. And I was already intermittent fasting, so I'm literally only skipping one meal. One meal, yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm skipping lunch one day and then going sure. to dinner. And trying to keep that metabolic flexibility, trying to keep... Uh, what I mean by that, the ability to use fat and carbohydrates equally. Um, now, three-day fast are more about, uh, you know, killing off senescent cells. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything that may be going wrong with your body, just pulling the nutrition away from it, and mm-hmm. it just gives up. I mean, I mean, it's pretty well documented, the anti-cancer, anti-dementia, anti-aging protocols for three-day fast. I don't promote anything out sort of, outside of a spiritual benefit going past three days. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, you get like four or five days, you're, you get a little hallucination going on. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, going out in the wilderness for 40 days and <laughs> only drinking water will bring you really close to God, probably. Yeah, yep. um, So, you know, I know some people that do that, <clears throat> but it's it's more of a mental, spiritual thing. For sure. Three days is probably the max for any kind of uh, like health, benefits. Uh, health benefits. Yeah. Anything over 24 hours is is not going to be great for weight loss. I agree. Yeah, completely. So we went from resets diet to fasting. Well, fasting. crash course on fasting. <laughs> um, so if, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm going to try this pouch reset diet, how do you guide them through that? How do you deter them? What do you suggest they do? otherwise. Yeah. yeah. So I encourage them to look at it more as a mental reset than anything. Um, you know, more than likely what you're needing is not a liquid diet for two weeks. Um, it's just, let me take a good look at my diet. Let me get rid of the, the crap. Um, and then also let me reset my mind so that I'm in a better mental space to be able to make those good choices with food. Um, so that's what I encourage. And, and I will tell them, okay, if you want, if you really feel like doing some liquid is going to help you. Um, Let's talk about like, okay, maybe instead of breakfast, you have, I don't know, a cup of bone broth or something like that. Make your own protein shake, but not like a liquid only diet. Um, I feel like the most, I was just cruising through the net here on these pouch reset diets. 
they're mostly kind of pushed and advertised by people that make products that you would mm-hmm. use during that time, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Like whether it be bars or protein shakes or replacement liquidy yeah. soups and things of that nature. And they're also really popular amongst the crowd who goes to Mexico for surgery. Like I was just on the Mexico website. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, which, you know, okay, that I mean, that's just something that they're putting out there so that you can either buy their products or if you've had surgery with them, you don't have follow up with them. So it's an easy thing for them to say, hey, just reset just it. Just do the pouch. Yeah. Pouch reset. That'll fix it okay okay well good so i think our next topic we wanted to talk about was when should i change my approach Mm -hmm. like i've hit a stall uh or i've i mean you probably hear more of this than i do so you kind of run through i do yeah you know and uh i think the way everybody defines a stall is different so most people will just automatically say if my weight hasn't moved in a couple of days i'm in a stall that's not true um, I would consider a stall to be the weight on the scale hasn't changed. Um, your inches hasn't changed. Um, so this is assuming you're not doing those DEXAs. If we can actually look at your DEXA, then it would just be no progress in body fat or muscle. Um, and I would say that that would need to be at, for a minimum of four to six weeks. Yeah. Oh, and so before we get to making changes with stalls, let's talk about stalls. <clears throat> yeah. Because stalls are a... Natural, normal thing in a post-operative setting. Absolutely. You know, people are going to kind of, you know, lose pretty steadily for a month and they're going to hit kind of a little mini stall there and then they're going to lose to three months and then they're going to hit a bigger stall and then they're going to lose to six months and they're going to hit a really Mm -hmm. prolonged stall and they're going to lose a bit more out to nine months. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, a lot of people kind of freak out when it doesn't change day to day. For sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, do you hear that? I, mean, I hear you, that yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I try to uh, address this when I meet with you before surgery so that you don't call me and I have to like talk you off the cliff kind of thing. Um, but I do hear it a lot. And it's like one of those things, you know, this is an investment. Um, so similar to like maybe financial investments that you're going to make. Most people, not me for sure, are, I am not checking those on a daily basis <laughs> or weekly. You know, it's not the daily or weekly or monthly change. It's that change over time that we're looking for. So, yeah, I, I feel like it's important at that time to also check in with with your with your why you mm-hmm. know why did i do this yep. and most people's why are not a scale goal it's sure. not like uh, 155 or i'm extremely disappointed it's more of man i want to tie my shoes and mm-hmm. not get short of breath i want to be able to get on the ground and get back off yeah uh, i want to get rid of sleep apnea i want like all right well are we making progress in those in non-scale those goals mm-hmm. Because if you're, I, I tell people, if you put the scale in in front as your metric, you, you're, you're going to consistently be disappointed. Absolutely. And that's that's surgery or non-surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to put all your other goals out front and let the scale follow. For sure. You know, is that kind of what you, how you spend it to? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the scale doesn't mean nothing. Obviously, it means something to most people, but it's not like the end all be all. I, I, I just, I mean, I, I agree it is important, but. If you let it lead you, mm-hmm. you'll be you're going to be PO'd most yeah. of the time. <laughs> For sure. Um, and you'll just never be happy. I mean, I, um, I it used to like bother me whenever patients would come to me and they would be like, I have only lost 90 pounds. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh my goodness, you've lost 90 pounds. revolutionary. Do you, yeah, yeah. do you hear what you just said? And they'd be like, yeah, but I'm not at 150 yet. Uh, and it's like, oh man, like if you could only hear, if you could have heard what you're saying right now when you were about to have surgery, you would laugh at yourself. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is, it's, I don't know. 
it's it's a mental thing. I had this crazy plan about five years ago that I was going to start recording all my first visits. Oh, uh-huh. Like either voice recording or uh, video. Mm-hmm. I thought there was too much red tape to that. But then at people's <laughs> one-year anniversary, replaying that video for them. Mm-hmm. And just the things they were saying, the things they were talking about, the limitations they had. The, for sure. The mental struggles that they were competing with. And like, all right, well, I hear you're, I hear a little bit that you're disappointed, but let's let's take a look. Mm-hmm. I also wanted that for my wife and I's arguments, but I couldn't figure that out either. <laughs> That's on, probably hold best. Hold on, Shelby. She would I, I'm going to push the record button right quick. <laughs> she would probably use that against you, and I wouldn't blame her. Oh, it was 50-50. Yeah. Uh, it was def- well, maybe 75-50 yeah. or 75-25, but uh, it would probably would have hurt me. That's probably the reason I opted against it. Sure. Sometimes I don't want that. Right. On, you don't want that record. reminder. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and like you were saying, I think with the stalls, they're normal. Um, and especially like right after surgery, they give us an idea like, hey, your body is telling you something. And usually what that is, is positive. Like, right, your metabolism is shifting and the body just kind of needs some time to adjust to that. Yeah. And those are, they, they should make your ears perk up, but not necessarily make you freak out. Yeah. I, I kind of, I think of it this way. Like if you had surgery, you get on the scale you lose two pounds, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. But most people don't get tremendously excited about that. It's like, oh, I had surgery. I expect it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you get on the scale and it stays the same or, you know, God forbid you, you gain a pound. Yeah. That is like burn the house down. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. So therefore, no happiness is ever gained. Right. From the scale. Yeah. Right. You're never. Mm-hmm. So what's the point? Right. We, t- we turn this podcast into beating up on scales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throw your scale away. We're going to get called by the scale lobby. Yeah. <laughs> so pipe down. Hopefully nobody at Spotify is a yeah, scale advocate. Hopefully they're not tracking us that closely. Yeah. Um, well, what else about well, weight loss in the post-operative setting? So I think, you know, when do you make changes? So let's say you actually get to a true stall. You know, you have not seen any progress anywhere. Oh, yeah, we were going to talk about that. That's, <laughs> that's the whole point of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so body composition isn't changing. You know, scale's not changing. What You're feeling the same. So you're at that point for four to six weeks. Um, at that time is when I really recommend people start making changes. And so... Um, I always say start with exercise because that I think that's the easiest change to make. It's like most people are really heavy on the cardio, which we did a podcast about that recently. Um, So it's really easy to adjust that. And it's like, okay, flip your cardio around, do some resistance training, do some, you know, yoga or Pilates, like more like lengthening, stretching type exercise, flip around your routine um, and change that up. And I, I find usually if you make that change, it starts changing again, your body composition. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of when I when I go through it, which you know you guys are doing this more than I am in the post op setting, it's uh, I, I look for low hanging fruit. Um, Absolutely. So you know I go through the four pillars of health and wellness: nutrition, mm-hmm. exercise, sleep, stress. Mm-hmm. Which one am I struggling with the most? Yeah. Oh, well, I changed jobs and it's been very okay. Well, stress doesn't go away, but how are you handling it? What are right. you? What are you, what doing, are you to doing with that? it? What are you doing to manage it? Mm-hmm. Or hey, I'm not sleeping. Or hey, man, I was in a good exercise routine, but I stopped. Yeah, I was eating okay, uh, but you know now my all my protein comes from supplement. I'm not really eating mm-hmm. any natural mm-hmm. whole sources. For I mean, sure. you can usually identify three, four, or five things. That, like, let's work on that. Absolutely. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, is that how you approach it? 
Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's another big one. You mentioned protein supplements. If you're still doing those, get off, switch it to, you know, whole regular foods. whole foods. Um, if you're going back to doing any kind of like caloric beverages, like your sodas or your juices or something like that, cut those Sweet out. Sweet teas, monsters. Sweet teas, monsters. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is. Um, alcohol. That's another big yeah. one. Um, cutting that out. And then, yeah, just cleaning up your diet in general. Oh, well, you know, I've, I've kind of gotten back into the habit. Every morning on my way to work, I just kind of slide through McDonald's and I grab me a sausage biscuit. Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah. We can change that really easily. And I think people are surprised at how little it takes to actually change yeah. things. And we've talked about this before, the lack of fiber mm-hmm. in the diet. Mm-hmm. And if anybody's wondering what fiber is, uh, that was a podcast about <laughs> six months ago. Um, we did an okay job on it. <laughs> yeah, it's where we realized we didn't exactly know what fiber <laughs> yeah. was. Uh, there, or there's many different definitions That's of fiber. That's right. It's complicated. Yeah. Uh, but I think that is another thing uh, that when people are <clears throat> supplementing protein drinks, mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm at a stall, I'm going to go back to protein drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, just talked to a lady today. You know, she was doing two a day. She's over a year out. Mm-hmm. So breakfast was a protein drink. Lunch was a protein drink. And she was struggling with the urge to snack mm-hmm. mid-afternoon <clears throat> and after dinner. Yep. And I was like, you're not getting enough calories. You're not getting enough nutrition. Right. And uh, those those protein drinks, for the most part, are pretty empty mm-hmm. nutritionally outside the protein. Right. Uh, and there's no fiber. There's no... Usually there's no, no fat. Yeah. I mean, nothing. Yeah. So that, that's a big challenge yeah and i i think you agree with my philosophy on this um the losing weight being healthy is a lifelong battle between your brain and your body mm-hmm. right because your brain has thoughts <laughs> on what you want to look like and yeah. how you want to function and your body only cares about surviving until tomorrow that's right so it is going to do the things that it needs to do to ensure that it's here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And if you break it down, I mean, we're human. Uh, for a long time, it was all about reproduction. So yeah. with, without surviving till tomorrow, mm-hmm. the human race was in, I mean, I know we're not there anymore, but... Right. Um, your body's still kind of wired like that. So your your body's either in one of two states. It's either in, in storage or burn mm-hmm. or catabolism, anabol- you know, anabolic. Sure. Uh, so I'm either building up or I'm breaking down. Mm-hmm. Uh, those rarely coexist mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so if you're trying to lose weight, I'm trying to go into a burn mode. I'm trying to not be in storage mode. And to convince your body to be out of storage mode, you've got to do the things necessary to convince it that it's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Right? And that's a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us. Absolutely. And stress affects that. Your sleep mm-hmm. affects that. How active you are affects that. What you eat affects that. And probably a litany of other things, but those are the big four. Um, So if you're eating foods that are nutritionally replete, uh, probably wrong word, uh, that have nothing in them. Deplete. Mm -hmm. Yeah, deplete. There we go. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you're getting your protein, but you're not getting the other stuff that comes in whole foods. Right. Well, and I think, too, when we typically see people reach these stalls, you know, you're a little further out and um, they say, well, I can eat a whole lot more than I did, you know, right after right after surgery week eight when I was able to eat solid foods like I can eat a whole lot more now. And I think a lot of it comes back to some of these things like, well, yeah, if you're drinking a protein shake, I mean, that process is like a liquid. It doesn't take your body any time to digest that. So, of course, you're going to feel hungry an hour later, two hours later, because you didn't have any solid food that your body, you know, had to work at to digest. Um, or you kind of get to where you're doing more of the carbs, more of the foods that process 
goes quicker through your body. Easier, cheaper. That's right. And, you know, they're quick energy, but they're not long lasting. So then then you get into the snacking and stuff like that. So I think that kind of goes hand in hand. You know, some of those things that you start to feel a little bit further out and people kind of start to freak out about when really it's actually just you've got to just make a simple nutrition change. Yeah. Or the way you're eating, like instead of snacking all day long, we need to actually have some meals and, you know, get it in. So give me a brief little snippet since we got three minutes left on Chelsea. Just tell me how to eat. All right. Just give me the meal plan. <laughs> uh, don't have a meal plan, but uh, tell you how to eat. So I would eat a variety of foods um, and I would just try to go with as most as closely as you could find it in nature. If it's a something you could grow in your own garden, if it's something that you could raise on your own farm, not saying you have to have a garden and a farm, but <laughs> you know, if you could in an ideal world, uh, those are going to be your best options most of the time. Stick with that. Um, and that will get you what 70, 80% of the way there. Yeah. I tell people if you can pick it, catch it or kill it. There, it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And not have to do anything else to it. Yeah. Everybody kind of, oh, I mean, grains, I mean, that uh -huh. flour, I can yeah, pick what, that. Yeah, what, you just going to pick it up and eat it? Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, if you think of, I mean, the whole other can of worms, but uh, the, you know, the processed food industry, which is what's, you know, making us all of us gain weight and <coughs> sick and, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're taking a, a normal food like a grain, uh, wheat, let's say we'll take wheat, for example, mm -hmm. uh, and then they're cracking and removing all nutrient all the fiber all the away from it to make something minerals. else that we can use so yeah. you know i do have to contend with yes you can pick a stem of wheat but that's a lot different if you were to put it in your mouth and chew it yeah versus how you're eating wheat in the absolutely. form of flour and things mm -hmm. of that nature absolutely that's a that's a separate podcast <laughs> yeah um but no, I mean, I think that's it. Just kind of go back to the basics. I don't, I think we overcomplicate nutrition a lot of times. Uh, it, yeah. Yes and no. I mean, it's yeah. complicated, right? Yeah. Nutrition's not simple. Um, but I think you can think too much about it and get, oh, well, what should my macros be? Or when should I time my eating window? And, you know, this, that, and the other. And it's like, those are pretty nitpicky when we still have these low hanging fruits that we kind of talked about earlier. Yeah. So yeah, we'll finish with that. Uh, so there was a post on the, the support group today, what, what should my macros be? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm at a stall, what should my macros be? Mm -hmm. And so I'm gonna give some generalized guidance here. Uh, so your, your protein goals are based off your lean muscle mass, which right. would come from a DEXA scan. Mm -hmm. That's how I base my protein intake, yep. is I look at where I'm at, am I happy with where that muscle mass is? Am I under-muscled? Because if I'm under-muscled, I need, I need to be eating the protein. More to build. To build, yeah. right? If I'm adequate, then I need to eat enough to maintain. If mm -hmm. I'm adding more activity to my lifestyle, if I'm going through an effort to try to gain more muscle, I need to adjust those protein. Yep. So your protein is adjustable to me. Yep. Right? For sure. Um, carbohydrates, if you are trying to lose weight, I don't think there's any reason to go over 50 grams. Right. Do you, do you agree with that? I agree with that. Right, because that that may that may offend a lot of people. <laughs> I would probably be kicked out of being a dietitian if that were possible. If I was heard saying that like out loud, you know. Yeah. But no, I do agree. I mean, and it's it's simple, right? It's because if your body has basically more than that, it's gonna stick into the phase where it is burning off your food, and it's not gonna reach the point where it's burning your stored fat. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, 50 grams of carbs a day is enough to fill your liver and fill your muscle. Mm -hmm. That's the only place you put carbs, right? Right. That's right. If your liver and your muscle are filled, then it goes to fat. To fat, right. Right. So there's no reason to eat anymore unless if, unless I'm extremely active. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and you're burning through those stores. Yeah. And so you need to replenish your liver and your muscle mm -hmm. for short term, quick acting glucose help. Yeah. But uh, by the way, extremely active is not you get 10,000 steps a day. That's not what. Uh, steps aren't activity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, this is. <laughs> Just uh, an aside. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's a whole deeper conversation with kind of the physiology behind glucose utilization. If you really want to learn a lot about that, find your closest cycling buddy and ask him about <laughs> glucose. Yeah. Uh, or a marathoner yeah. or something. I mean, those guys know specifically how much glucose is in their muscle and liver. Because mm -hmm. if they don't, they're going to struggle. That's right. They're going to yeah. cramp up. <laughs> um, and then fats, I say unlimited as far as healthy fats. Uh, unhealthy fats should just not even be tolerated in a diet. Sure. And especially if you've had surgery, I don't really think you necessarily have to worry about overeating if you're keeping that in mind, like you've got your protein goal, you've, you know, you know, hey, I got to keep my carbs under 50. People ask, well, then how much fat, how many calories? I don't really give you a number because you've got that tool that's going to help you not overeat. Yeah. So you don't really have to worry about the upper limit. I would rather you worry about the lower limit, under eating, because I think a lot more people are under eating than overeating after surgery. Yeah. Because of the sleeve or because they're still trying to diet? Because they're still trying to diet. It's that mentality. Yeah. Uh, you know, I need to eat as little as possible for the rest of my time here. And hmm. that's how I'm going to lose the weight. It's a, it's a hard thing to break that mentality that you've been, you've been yo-yoing through for the past 20, 30, 40 years with diets. Any good resources to fix that mentality? Uh, it takes a lot of work. Um, I think you, I think personally, like if you're not going to seek professional help, I think you've got to sit down and you've got to actually think about your why, like you said, um, because that'll help to get you there. Um, not going to break that mentality necessarily, but I think you have to experience a little bit of that food freedom, which I don't think is possible for some people without surgery. Um, and if we're actually being honest, that's probably the reason why I'm in bariatrics <laughs> to begin with, uh, because like I came from the world of eating disorders, right? Bariatric surgery is pretty much looked down upon in the world of eating disorders. But I truly believe that there are some people out there that are fighting so many things internally that they will never get to experience a little bit of that food freedom if they don't have that tool of a smaller stomach. Gotcha. And that's, you just dropped a little wisdom on the exit there. That's a little there. deep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You might have to expand upon that. But I think once you experience that like food freedom where you don't have to be worried about every single calorie that you intake, your mindset will start to change a little bit. It's going to require some other work too. So we love Kristen Wiley. Um, there's also medications. I mean, if you're like anxious around food, um, just different things like that. I mean. Okay. Be careful. You're going to open yourself up to a whole other business line there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, well, that's it for today. And I think we've come up with a lot more other things that we have to talk about. Yeah, thanks for listening, All joining. Right. Have a good day.